But I want to start out differently a little bit. I want to show you something. See this watch? New watch. I got it for Father's Day from my family. My other two watches were pretty much toast. And I needed something to, you know, show the heart rate and being able to run and do all this kind of fun stuff. And it has stuff I don't even know about. And I'm learning. It tells me how good my sleep was, of all things, right? So I'm just turning into this nerd staring at my watch all the time. But uh, two days ago, I think, two days ago, I was out working and um, I'm watching, I'm doing some work and I'm watching a baseball game on my phone. It's an app. And my son is off playing baseball in Omaha and I'm watching the game and it's a close game and they really need a win. Don't tell them I said anything, but they really need to win. Sometimes they can't hit water if they fell out of a boat. Okay. So I'm, I'm getting all wound up and, and you know, come on guys, it's, it's a tough game. It's a close game. And they've got a kid who's throwing like 88 and 89. And it's just a really close game. And I really want them to win. They need this win. And I'm getting all excited. And I'm going, come on, let's, let's get going. And, and good things are happening. Bad things are happening. And all of a sudden, this watch pipes up. An alarm goes off and says, you're stressed. Take a breath. <laughs> How on earth does it know that I'm stressed? I have no idea. Haven't figured that out yet. But I'm getting all wound up and it's telling me to breathe. <sighs> okay. So came close to throwing it across the room, but I breathed I, and, and, and got relaxed a little bit. And, you know, we all go through stressful times, don't we? Whether it's watching something or going through and living. And, and James talks about that at the very end. And I tell you one thing as a pastor, or, or for me, and I don't, I don't know if other pastors feel the same way, it's much easier for me to preach out of Romans and theology and diving into stuff and explaining it than to talk about and preach about James. And I'll tell you why. James is very practical. How do you speak to people? Oof, that's convicting. Are you being wise? You look at, look at my life, maybe yours too, and you go, sometimes yes, sometimes no. It's a very convicting book. It's very practical, which is great, but it's also convicting. And during this last section that I'm going to preach on, there's some theology in here that I won't be able to explain everything. I'll start to untie the knot, but hopefully you'll go home and start to dive in more. But it's also very practical. Very, very practical. So I'm excited. But let me ask you a question. In times of trouble, what do you do? How do you handle suffering and trouble? Let me throw some words out and see how you respond. Family. Who in here has absolutely no family strife? Just raise your hand. I didn't think so. What about money? What about money? What about career? Relationships. Start to see a little strife starting to weave into your mind. If you're normal and you have a heartbeat, you've got, you understand. You say, yeah, these are some areas that I wrestle with. It means you're human. 
means you've got a, a pulse. James talks about how to deal with that. And we're going to dive into that a little bit today. Now remember, the overall theme of James is this. Vision of wisdom, good works, and the prayer and the power of prayer. The key thought is living a life that follows Jesus. What does that look like? James gives it to us. Now during suffering, I want to throw out this. Praying is the obvious answer. But let me ask you this. How do we pray? How do we pray during times of suffering and strife? Let's read James 5, 12 through 20. Above all, my brothers, do not swear either by heaven or by earth or by uh, any other oath. And let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Is any among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is any among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. That you may be healed. The power of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man of nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months... It did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again and heavens gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from the wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. Man, what a powerful Package, uh, unpacking is difficult. Passage is great. So much there we could spend weeks, really, on all that is there. I'm going to take a little piece of it today. With that thought, what does James want to end with? What does he want us to remember? Let's go back to my first question. What to do in times of struggle? And I want to ask you this. How do you respond in times of struggle? Irritability and anger is the first thing that you think of is, man, it's time to fight. It's time to go after it. Don't know what's in front of me, but it's time to go after it. Here we go. What about restlessness? Do you get restless? Anxious? I talked to a good friend of mine last week who's a counselor down in California, and he just shook his head. He goes, I don't... He goes, every day I talk to people who are depressed and anxious. That's what I do. Very real. Very real. About sadness, moodiness, grief, depression, worry. How do you respond? Do you hit the problem head on and just steamroll it? Everybody has their way of dealing with stress in a stressful situation. How did Jesus deal with stress when he was struggling? Tell me, what did he do? Went away and prayed. 
That's how he dealt with it. Let's look at, a, at this passage and see what God tells us to do in times of struggle. Verse 13 states this, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Praying is our way of recognizing God is the one in control. If you are praying to God, you are praying to someone who is greater than you and is able to do things that you can't do. In essence, you are already believing through prayer in God's sovereignty, which is a key mark in all of this, and recognizing he is in control. We seek direction from him. We recognize two things, his ability and his goodness. You wouldn't pray to a God who didn't have the ability and wasn't good. We follow a God who is both. And we are able to believe in his guidance and his wisdom. In times of struggle, we go to that first. Uh, a very good friend of mine is an elder in Portland named Steve. And Steve was known to be a man of prayer. At the drop of a hat, he would pray for you. And in elder meetings, we would sit. And um, elder meetings can be exciting and fun, but they can also be stressful. And they can also be tense because you're talking about hard things that need to be talked about. And tensions can rise. And Steve would be the first one to say, we need to pray. Let's just pray. And everybody would take a deep breath and recognize, yep, we need to. And he would pray. And it would be interesting to watch the reaction. The whole tenor changed. And things would get done. And I've seen that. We have a great group of elders here. A powerful praying group of elders. And I appreciate them so much for that way of dealing with issues. Always go to prayer first. But do we stop long enough for prayer to be the first act we do? That's the question, isn't it? The next question and the next focus is really, how do we pray? What does the passage say about how to pray? This is key. Without giving a sermon on what prayer is, remember, Prayer is the simplest form expressing trust in God and is a means by where our trust in him can increase. This means prayer is a way for us to grow in faith and maturity in God. I love listening to older pastors who have influenced me so much. When they pray, they pray with joy and trust in God. Because they've been through all the battles. They've lived life and they know that following God brings joy and also trust. And I just love hearing that. I just love listening to them. But let's get more specific regarding how to pray. Let's look at verse 14 and 15. This is when it gets fun. Is any, anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sin, he will be forgiven. 
This is our first sign of how to pray. It is in faith. Praying in faith means, as Hebrews 11.1 1 states, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Furthermore, James tells us in 1.6, you remember that when we talked about that and uh, Ryan preached on it, let him ask in faith without doubting. Hmm. Jesus said this, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. Strong verses regarding faith and prayer. Let's take it even deeper. If you haven't already been challenged enough, let's look at our verse again. The elders have been called to a sick person's side and are asked to anoint them with oil and pray over them and pray of a prayer of faith that will what? Save the one who is sick. Here's the tension. Many times I have prayed over a sick person and they have died. Many times elders have prayed over terminally ill people who have gone on to be with the Lord. I've heard pastors in different circles say that that person did not recover because they did not have enough faith. If a person is prayed over and continues to be ill, they now have two issues that they're wrestling with. One is the sickness that's encased them, and two is the assumption that they do not have enough faith. That is an unbiblical double whammy. How do we reconcile this issue of praying in faith for those who are sick? Remember first that God is sovereign, and prayer is a practice of growing in faith and maturing in Christ. The key is understanding and resting on the sovereignty of God. He is in control of all situations. We also see where God doesn't cure all sickness for his purposes. Paul talks about that in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 9, which says this. So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for your power is made perfect, in, or my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. We see in here God's purposes was greater than Paul's pleading. 2 Timothy 4.20 also states, while Paul later in Timothy talks about um, leaving a person who was ill and moving on, and my natural thought is, didn't he pray for them? Didn't he pray that he would be healed? How do we reconcile these two tensions? It lands on the recognition of God's sovereignty and man's prayers. Faith in prayer recognizes God's sovereignty. Um, sovereignty will accomplish his will. When we pray, we recognize the overruling purpose of God's ways. We may at times 
be given absolute certainty into his will, and other times resting on the fact that we trust God to move in his perfect way. What does that look like when we pray for people who are sick? Um, if you call me today and you're in the hospital, I will come and I will pray for your healing. I also recognize, and usually the person that I'm praying for recognizes, that God's will overrides. And like Paul, he may not take that away. There are other times that he does. There are other times that uh, elders and myself and others have prayed for people and they do get healed. But we always recognize God's sovereignty in the process of this. Ultimately, our prayer in faith is praying and knowing that his will be done. And we can celebrate that because last time I checked, God knows a lot more than I do. And even things that I really want to happen that don't happen, later I look back and I see that was right. Um, I've had people uh, in my family pass away and the first, unexpectedly. And the first question is always why? Why did that happen? And that's an unanswerable question. But I've also seen the effect that that loss has had on the rest of my family. And it's been positive in ways that I never saw coming. So I, the, the question of why can never be answered, I can look and see God using that for his purposes, even though it's still viciously hard. I can trust in God to know that he used that situation for better, betterment and his purposes. So why do we pray? Let me end with this. Let's look at the example James gives us. It says this in verse 17. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. When we look at this example, there's a couple things I want to say. First of all is this, come as you are. I love how it says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. Praise God. We can come to the Lord just as you are and pray in faith. Just as you are. Sometimes the greatest prayers are, Jesus, help me. I trust you. That's all it has to be. Second is this, pray fervently. Pray fervently. Make it an ongoing conversation with the Lord. It doesn't have to happen between 8 in the morning and 8.15 and then right before you go to bed. It's this constant dialogue Paul talks about with the Lord all the time. What does that do? That builds and rec you recognize that relationship that you have with the Lord. And he's always hearing you, always listening. And we can trust him. Finally, 
when we pray in faith, we can do it because we know God is good. And we trust him in all situations. And we can pray in faith, not because of something within us, but because of who we're praying to and his ability and his goodness. And we can say, thank you, Lord. In all situations, we pray in faith. Let's pray. Father, again, thank you for your word. Thank you that you are here, that you are ministering to us. Father, pray that we would be able to take your word and use it daily. I pray for everyone in here that we would pray in faith, understanding who you are and growing in our trust because of who you are. Thank you, God, as we pray in your son's name. Amen.